0: Chapter twenty of Nobody's Man By E Phillips Oppenheim This Slipperbox recording is in the public domain, reading by Matt Ferrari. Chapter twenty Tallant, for the first time in his life, was dining a few evenings later at Dartrey's house in Chelsea, and he looked forward with some curiosity to this opportunity of studying his chief under different auspices notwithstanding the fact that he was a miracle of punctuality and devotion to duty both at the offices in parliament street and at the house seemed to have the gift of fading absolutely out of sight from the ken of even his closest friends when the task of the day was accomplished he excused himself always courteously but finally from accepting anything whatever in the way of social entertainment he belonged to no clubs and if pressed he frankly confessed a predilection which amounted almost to a passion for solitude during those hours not actually devoted to official duties the invitation to dinner therefore was received by tallente with some surprise he had grown into the habit of looking upon dartrey as a man who had no real existence outside the routine of their daily work he welcomed with avidity therefore his opportunity of understanding a little more thoroughly Dartrey's pleasant but elusive personality the house itself situated in a chelsea square of some repute was small and unostentatious but was painted a spotless white and possessed even from the outside an air of quiet and unassuming elegance a trim maidservant opened the door and ushered him into a drawing-room of grey and silver with a little faded blue in the silks of the french chairs there were a few fine point etchings upon the walls a small grand piano in a corner and very little furniture although the little there was was french of the best period there were no flowers and the atmosphere would have been chilly but for the brightly burning fire tallente was scarcely surprised when dartrey's entrance alone indicated the fact that as was generally supposed he was free from family ties i am a little early i am afraid tallente remarked as they shook hands admirably punctual the other replied i shall make no apologies to you for my small party i have asked only miss meall and miller to meet you just the trio of us who came to lure you out of your devonshire paradise "Miller," tallente repeated with instant comprehension yes i was thinking only the other day that you scarcely see enough of miller i see all that i want to was tallente's candid comment dartrey laid his hand upon his guest's shoulder in a sombre dinner garb with low turned-down collar and flowing black tie his grey-black beard cut into a point his high forehead his straightly brushed-back hair which still betrayed its tendency to natural curls he looked a great deal more like an artist of the dreamy and aesthetic type than a man who had elaborated a new system of life and government it is because of the feeling behind those words tallente he said that i have asked you to meet him here to-night miller has his objectionable points but he possesses still a great hold upon certain types of the working man i feel that you should appreciate that a little more thoroughly the politician as you should know better than i has no personal feelings the politician is left with very few luxuries Talent replied with a certain grimness norah was announced brilliant and gracious in a new dinner-gown which she frankly confessed had ruined her and close behind her miller a little ungainly in his overlong dress coat and badly arranged white tie it struck talon that he was aware of the object of the meeting and his manner obviously intended to be ingratiating had still a touch of self-conscious truculence they went into dinner a few minutes later and their hosts tact in including nora in the party was at once apparent she talked brightly of the small happenings of their day-to-day political life and bridged over the moments of awkwardness before general conversation assumed its normal swing dartrey encouraged miller to talk and they all listened while he spoke of the mammoth trades unions of the north where his hold upon the people was greatest he spoke still bitterly of the war the moral effect of which he argued the working men had never wholly recovered tallente listened a little grimly the fervour of self-sacrifice and so-called patriotism which some of the proletariat undoubtedly felt at the outbreak of the war miller argued was only an incidental a purely passing sensation compared to the idle and greedy inertia which followed it the war lost he went on might have acted as a lash upon the torpor of many of these men one it created a wave of immorality and extravagance from which they have never recovered they spent more than they had and they earned more than they were worth that is to say they lived an unnatural life it is fortunate then talent remarked that the new generation is almost here they too carried the taint miller insisted tallente looked thoughtfully across towards his host it seems to me that this is a little disheartening he said it is exactly what one might have expected from horlock or even lethbridge miller who is nearer to the proletariat than any of us would have us believe that the people who should be the bulwark of the state are not fit for their position i fancy dartrey said soothingly that miller was talking more as a philosopher than a practical man i speak according to my experiences the latter insisted a little doggedly amongst your own constituents tallente asked with a faint smile reminiscent of a recent unexpected defeat of one of miller's partisans in a large constituency among them and others was the somewhat acid reply sands lost his seat at tenchester through the apathy of the very class for whom we fight. Tinchester is a wonderful place, Nora intervened. I went down there lately to study certain phases of women's labor. Their factories are models, and I found all the people with whom I came in contact exceptionally keen and well-informed. Miller gnawed his mustache for a moment. Then I was probably unpopular there, he said. I have to tell the truth. Sometimes people do not like it the dinner was simply but daintily served there were wines of well-known vintages and as the meal progressed dartrey unbent eating scarcely anything and drinking less the purely intellectual stimulus of conversation seemed to unloose his tongue and give to his pronouncements a more pungent tone naturally politics remained the subject of discussion and dartrey disclosed a little the reason for the meeting which he had arranged the craft of politics he pointed out makes but one inexorable demand upon her followers the demand for unity the amazing thing is that this is not generally realized it seems the fashion nowadays to dissent from everything to cultivate the ego in its narrowest sense and rather than to try and reach out and grasp the hands of those around the fault i think is in an overdeveloped theatrical sense the desire which so many clever men have for individual notoriety we democrats have prospered because we have been free from it we have been able to sink our individual prejudices in our cause that is because our cause has been great enough we aim so high we see so clearly that it is rare indeed to find amongst us those individual differences which have been the ruin of every political party up to today we have no brown who will not serve with smith no robinson who declines to be associated with jones we forget the small things which are repugnant to us in a fellow man because of the great things which bind us together to a certain extent yes tallied agreed, with some reserve in his tone yet we are all human there are some prejudices which no man may conquer if he pretends he does he only lives in an atmosphere of falsehood the strong man loves or hates they took their coffee in their hosts very fascinating study there was little room here for decoration the walls were lined with books. there were a few choice bronzes here and there a statue of wonderful beauty upon the writing-table and a figure of justice leaning with outstretched arms over the world presented to Dartrey by a great french artist for the rest there were comfortable chairs an ample fire and a round table on which were set out coffee and liqueurs of many sorts you will find that i am not altogether in an anchorage dartrey observed as they settled into their places i am a lover of old brandy the sixty-eight i recommend especially tallente and bring your chair round to the fire there are cigars and cigarettes at your elbow miller i think i know your taste help yourself won't you miller drank creme de menthe and smoked homemade virginia cigarettes tallente watched him and sighed then suddenly conscious of his host's critical scrutiny he felt an impulse of shame felt that his contempt for the man had in it something almost snobbish he leaned forward and did his best miller had been a school board teacher an exhibitioner at college and was possessed of a singular though limited intelligence he could deal adequately with any one problem presented by itself and affected only by local conditions yet the more talent talked with him the more he realized his lack of breadth, his curious weakness of judgment when called upon to consider questions dependent upon varying considerations as to the right or wrong wording of a clause in the factory amendment act he could be lucid explanatory and convincing as to the justice of the same flaws when compared with other forms of legislation he was vague and unconvincing didactic and prejudiced if dartrey's object had been to bring these two men into closer understanding of each other he was certainly succeeding it is doubtful however whether the understanding progressed entirely in the fashion he had desired Nora curled up in an easy-chair affecting to be sleepy but still listening earnestly felt at last that intervention was necessary the self-revelation of miller under tallente's surgical questioning was beginning to disturb even their host i am being neglected she complained if no one talks to me i shall go home tallente rose at once and sat on the lounge by her side dartrey stood on the hearth-rug and plunged into an ingenious effort to reconcile various points of difference which had arisen between his two guests tallente all the time was politely acquiescent miller a little sullen like all men with brains acute enough to deal logically with a procession of single problems he resented because he failed altogether to understand that a wider field of circumstances could possibly alter human vision tallente walked home with nora they chose the longer way by the embankment this is the cockneys antithesis to the moonlight and hills of you country folk nora observed as she pointed to the yellow lights flashing across the black water tallente drew a long breath content it's good to be here anyway i am glad to be out of that house he confessed i am afraid she sighed that our dear host's party was a failure You and Miller were born in different camps of life. It doesn't seem to me that anything will ever bring you together. For this reason, Talon explained, eagerly, Miller's outlook is narrow and egotistical. He may be a shrewd politician, but there isn't a grain of statesmanship in him. He might make an excellent chairman of a parish council. As a cabinet minister, he would be impossible. He will demand office, I am afraid, Nora remarked. Talent took off his hat. He was watching the lights from the two great hotels, the red fires from the funnel of a little tug, black and mysterious in the windy darkness. "'I am sick of politics,' he declared suddenly. "'We are a parcel of fools. Our feet move day and night through the solemn music.' "'You, of all men,' she protested, "'to be talking like this!' "'I mean it,' he insisted, a little doggedly i have spent too many of my years on the treadmill a man was born to be either an egoist and parcel out the earth according to his tastes or to develop like darkly into a dreamer curse you he added suddenly shaking his fist at the tall towers of the houses of parliament you're like an infernal boarding-school with your detentions and impositions and castigations there must be something beyond a cabinet minister she began the sixth form he interrupted there's just one aspiration of life to be granted under that roof and to win it you are asked to stifle all the rest it isn't worth it it's the greatest game at which men can play she declared and also the narrowest because it is the most absorbing he answered we have our triumphs there and they end in a chuckle don't you love sunshine in winter strange cities pictures pictures of another age pictures which take your thoughts back into another world architecture that is not utilitarian the faces of human beings on whom the strain of life has never fallen and women women whose eyes will laugh into yours who haven't a single view in life who don't care a fig about improving their race who want just love to give and to take she gazed at him in astonishment a little carried away her eyes soft her lips parted but you have turned pagan she cried an instant's revolt against the methodism of life he replied his feet once more upon the earth but the feeling's there all the same he went on doggedly i want to leave school i have been there so long it seems to me my holiday is overdue she passed her arm through his She was a very clever and a very understanding woman. That comes of your having ignored us, she murmured. It isn't my fault if I have, he reminded her. In a sense, it is, she insisted. The woman in your life should be the most beautiful part of it. You chose to make her the stepping stone to your ambition. Consequently, you go through life hungry. You wait till you almost starve, and then suddenly, the greatest things in the world which lie to your hand seem like bottles you are hideously logical he grumbled they were walking slower now within a few yards of the entrance to her flat both of them were a little disturbed she full as she was with all the generous impulses of sensuous humanity intensely awakened intensely sympathetic tell me where is your wife she asked in america it is hopeless with her utterly and irretrievably hopeless it has been for long for years and for the sake of your principles she went on almost angrily your stupid canonical and dry-as-dust little principles you've let your life shrivel up i can't help it he answered what would you have me do stand in the market-place and shout my needs she clung to his arm you dear thing she said you're a great baby They were in the shadow of the entrance to the flats. He suddenly bent over her. His lips were almost on hers. There was a frightened gleam in her eyes, but she made no movement of retreat. Suddenly, he drew himself upright. That wouldn't help, would it? He said simply. Thank you all the same, Nora. Goodbye. On his table, when he entered his rooms that night, lay the letter for which he had craved. He opened it almost fiercely, the few lines seemed like a message of hope don't laugh at me dear friend but i am coming to London for a week or two to my little house in charles street i don't know exactly when you will find time to come and see me here the mist seemed to have fallen upon us like a shroud and we can't escape i galloped many miles this morning but it was like trying to find the edge of the world please call on my sister at seventeen mount street She likes you and wants to see more of you. Jane End of chapter 20